that resemble anybody's life this weekend? Show of hands. Couple. Busy weekend for, for us in our home and um, sometimes it feels that way to where you're just going from one thing to the next thing, one thing to the next thing, and your kids are just kind of bobbing back and forth and going along for the ride. But we've been looking at this parents' game plan for the uh, last couple of weeks. We're wrapping things up today. and um, So I'm really glad you're here to, to worship with us. And um, we've got some exciting things going on in our church. Some of those things, the, probably the most exciting thing is the, the launch of our growth groups. And so as Bruce was announcing, that's just something we're really thrilled about. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, later on in, in this message, but let's let's pray together before we look at Scripture. Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for bringing us to this place this morning, God. Amidst everything else going on, all the plans that we have for today, Lord, we thank you that you um, allowed us to come here and that we uh, um, are able to connect with each other and uh, hear from you, Lord. We thank you so much for being present with us, God. We do invite you to speak to us, Lord, as we as we dive into uh, this topic again, and we, we ask you for the ability to listen, to hear from you. Lord, we pray against all distractions in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we're, we're, we're trying to figure out how do, how do you deal with obstacles that come up. This is the last message, and uh, one of the things that we've been talking about as it relates to parenting is there are obstacles that come up that would prevent your child from growing and maturing. And if you are a parent, then you'll understand this already, that there's things that pop up that, that you're going to want to pay attention to. If you're not a parent, um, you recognize that in your own growth, there are things that come up, there are obstacles, roadblocks that keep you from growing. And so whether you're parenting right now, you're finished parenting, or you're not a parent, I would really encourage you to think through how these principles apply to you as you try to continue to grow and become a person of character more and more. Uh, but it ought to be easy for us to develop as people of character. Uh, but yet somehow there are problems. We, we all start off with a desire to grow. I think everybody really, you're here because you, you want to grow closer to God. You want to connect with Him. You want to learn more about Him. And yet there are, there are these uh, challenges that we all face that sometimes keep us from making progress, forward progress. You start out with great intentions, but then, you're, but then your intentions are all messed up because of these challenges. And so um, there are some reasons why there are obstacles. And so first what I want to look at is what are those reasons that we face challenges? Um, there's a listening guide you can follow along. The first thing you see on there is we are all inclined to wrong choices. Every single person here, we're inclined to do wrong. We were all made, we all have been made in God's image. And as we talked about last week, He made us to be like Him. He made us with... Um, characteristics that are like Him. We are not gods, but we were made like God so that we could reflect His nature. However, all of us have decided to rebel against God's plan for our lives. And, and he, He's desired to, to take the lead of our lives and to lead us through life safely, but we've decided to take the lead away from Him and to do life on our own, independent from Him. So we've decided, you know, I'm going to be in the driver's seat, God, and we get trucking down the road and we recognize that, that that brings up some serious problems in our life. It brings up patterns of behavior that we run into trouble for all lifelong. And so we're inclined to these wrong choices. We all find out that we have divided hearts. And Tess kind of mentioned this. There's some things that are in our hearts that reside there. There's some good things and there's some bad things. If you can imagine your heart, there's some pluses there and there's some minuses there. And even if God moves into our lives 
And if we invite Him to take the lead in our lives, this, this bad stuff is still, is still in there. There's still some wrong that, that, that remains in there. Our hearts are actually capable of doing two different things. We can be noble. You know, people are willing to die, to sacrifice themselves for each other. And at the same time, we can be very, very cruel. We can have nobility and cruelty in the same heart. All of us have that. We have this potential at one moment to be extremely kind and, you know, to get flowers and, and to, uh, you know, walk someone across the street to pick up a kid who's fallen on a bike. And at the same moment, five minutes later, we can be snapping and yelling at someone and, and freaking out and angry and, you know, just ripping people's heads off. We have this potential inside us. We have these divided hearts that have nobility and cruelty. Um, for example, you all, you know, you've all set off to do something noble today. You, you know, you got up with the intention of going to church and you, you headed here. But maybe on the way, so that was a noble thing. And maybe on the way, the kids weren't cooperating. Maybe the kids, you know, something may have went wrong in your morning to where some of this cruelty or this divided thing comes up to where, you know, you had great intentions, but before long in the car on the way to church, you're, you're in a fight. Maybe someone cuts you off on the freeway on the way here and you, know, you road rage. and you. Again, this is a tension that we all experience. In fact, we all have inclinations in our heart and there's three of them that really keep giving us problems in life. And these, these are drawn from some Old Testament passages. I'm going to give you these principles. The first inclination we have is to be stubbornly selfish. Every single one of us. We struggle with stubborn self-centeredness. That means we want our way in life. We want life like we want it. We like to be able to order up life in a certain way. And when we will receive other things, it really frustrates us. Because we want what we want when we want it. We're all stubbornly self-centered. The problem is, if I'm a self-centered person and I have relationships with other people who are stubbornly self-centered... There's World War III in the making when we have relationships. So in marriage and in, in parenting relationships and friendships among roommates with business partners, we just have all these problems because I want what I want when I want it and so do they. And that, and that comes up and it brings us problems. Including our kids. Our kids face this same tension. Proverbs 22.15, you don't have it on your screen, but it says, folly is bound up in the heart of a child. The word folly the Hebrew is eveleth, and what it means is it's a stubborn self-centeredness. It's, it's this, I want what I want. Not only do our kids have this, but all of us have it. And so parenting can be extremely challenging because we're self-centered parents who are trying to help self-centered children. You know, again, it's a recipe for a real challenge. We also feel that others owe us. So there's this stubborn self-centeredness, but then there's also this inclination that we feel other people really owe us in life. We've had such a hard day. Um, we've tried so hard. It's our, you know, it's been a long week, and how come they don't understand that I deserve to get what I want today? And that our thinking starts with I want what I want, but then it also leads us to think. And they should know that because they've seen my life this week. They've seen how rough I've had it. They've seen the things I've faced. And that plays out again in marriage and parenting and friendships. And because we feel like we deserve to get what we want, we're often disappointed when we don't get it. For example, yesterday I was out with some friends at an ice cream parlor. And uh, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, 
we're going to an ice cream parlor. We're going to have lots of ice cream. And, you know, and, and I kind of had a goal. I had something I wanted. And when it came time to order, all the dishes are really um, too big to order just for yourself. So it's one of those things where you have to share. And uh, I noticed this tension rising up inside me because I really wanted what was called the pig's trough. And it was, it was just a big wooden, wooden plank with ice cream and bananas and just goodness. You know, and, and I'm a huge dessert fan. And so, you know, so I'm throwing my idea out there, pitching my, my plan. You know, how about the pig's trough? Did I mention the pig's trough? Did you guys check out the pig's trough in here? And, uh, well, nobody was, nobody was feeling it for the pig's trough. And so, you know, we had to go with something a little bit different. And I was thinking, man, I'm really, this has been a long week. I really want to eat the pig's trough. How come nobody's... Well, we had to eat this chocolate brownie obsession, and I was disappointed. And my wife was disappointed, too. And the other people, I don't think they liked it any better. We should have got the pig's trough. But, this, <laughs> but the, the point of all that, though, is I was battling. Now, I've been through this wrestling match with myself many, many times to know I've got to stuff that I've got to step that down. I've got to fight that off. I can't let this turn into, you know, Josh gets up and storms to the bathroom because he can't get what he wants because he thinks he deserves it for the day. But this is something that I have. This is something you have. You find that Ecclesiastes 9.3, this is something, Scripture says, that the hearts of men experience, we have madness in our hearts while we live. Madness, the Hebrew term for madness is haolela, and what it means is it's a self-praising. We, we praise ourselves. When we think we deserve or others owe us, it's because we think we're more deserving than other people. Um, we think we're more important than other people. And so our agenda is not only right, but it just seems, it just, it makes sense in our head because we're a little more deserving. But that is a part of who we are. That's a part of our heart problem. And that's a part of our kids' heart problems. So they're going to deal with this, not only stubborn self-centeredness, but this this dessert, you know, I deserve it side of them for as long as they live. This is something we're going to have to help them with. Another thing that's an inclination is we all are inclined to be hard on other people, to be cruel towards others. If they get in our way, if they don't... Now, I didn't re- react in this way, but if they didn't let me have the pig trough, you know, there is this thing inside of some of us, and it's inside of me too, that sometimes we'll lash out and we'll throw our fork down or our spoon down and we'll storm off into the bathroom. Or we'll yell at them because they won't let us have our way. This is in our kids as well. This is, this is something that's just called evil. The scripture defines it as evil. and something that, again, it's in our hearts while we live. It's something, self-exaltation, just this, this believing that we deserve it, and then the willingness to harm other people. It's something we're going to have to fight with for all of our lives. It's not going to go away. The self-centeredness that we experience and that's bound up in the hearts of kids, that's something that over time we can learn to beat back. But the, the pride and the cruelty, that's something we're just going to have to keep on fighting because it's going to crop its nasty head up. And those things together really mix and match to a real problem for our kids. High character, and that's developing high character, that's really, really challenging because they're dealing with these things just as we are. And... You know, because of that, we can be pulled. Our hearts will pull us in different directions. Those three characteristics, they play out in, in different strategies of life. Five different life strategies that you find. These are patterns in Scripture again. But we can be pulled in some different directions. Some of us, we have a lazy streak. 
There's this laziness. There's this wrong pull on our hearts and our lives towards laziness and deceit. Um, we say, yeah, but then we do no. It, this might be a struggle that, that you face. You know, someone asks you to do something, you're like, yeah, I'm there. And then when the time comes to do it, you don't want to follow through. And so you, you say, you know, you do know. You've said, yeah, but you, you do know. And then you lie or we, we deceive and we say, oh, I didn't realize I had double booked myself and I, I had this going on. But really, what it is is we don't, we don't want to keep our word. We don't want to follow through. And so we, there's this tendency to be lazy and to lie about things. We might, we might fudge on reports to cover our backs. We might you know, not admit to things when we're confronted with things. But this is just when we don't want to work hard. And so we look for easy way out, the easiest way. But that's a pull on our hearts. That's a pull on kids' hearts, pull on adults' hearts. The right pull, we want to be pulled towards diligence, faithfulness. As a parent, you're going to want to pull your kids towards the other things, towards the right-hand side of that chart. But we can be pulled towards laziness and deceit. Also, we can be pulled in a second way. There's a pattern in Scripture. And it's described by being pushy. And the, the Hebrew term describes a reactive and very manipulative person. And this is something that very controlling. You know, when things don't go their way, when they don't get what they want, they yell, they scream. They make others pay. They're very reactive. And they use their emotions to push people around in life. This is a struggle that, that we grow into as adults. Um, our kids need to learn to deal with a stubborn self-centeredness. Otherwise, these things, these life strategies become who, you know, who we are as adults. And then people have to relate to us in these ways. But we want to pull them towards helping others, towards compassion. Pull them away from the pushiness. Pull them away from the, the anger. The third you know, pull that we experience is impulsiveness. There's this um, blind desire and denial that goes on in our lives. You know, I want what I want, and so I'm just going to do it. I'm not going to look at the results. I'm not going to look at. I'm not going to look before I leap. I'm just going to do what feels right in the moment. And so, there, some of us were pulled in a direction to where we just make really, really bad, foolish decisions towards things that bring a lot of pain. Drugs tend to fall in this category. Addictions fall into this category. Um, but Working with your kids to understand consequences when they're young. Understanding that you can't, just, you can't just leap before looking. You can't just blindly jump at things. If you'll work with your kids early on, you'll help them avoid a tremendous amount of pain that they'll experience as adults when they, when they do jump off these, you know, these cliffs going after what they blindly desire. So you want to help them learn to, to be pulled towards forethought. Help them think through, what do you think would happen if you were to make those decisions? Give them... You know, the ability to be more perceptive. But that, that strategy in life, the term is called sackle. To, the Hebrew term is called sackle. It's just, it's this guy or this gal that just continues to do foolish things without any regard for the consequence. And, and that's destructive. It's a very destructive strategy in life. The fourth strategy that really pulls on us is this, a struggle with pride. Domination. You know, in envy, we bully others around. We push others around so that we can shine, so that we can be first place. It's okay if other people, you know, get some spotlight, but we want to be the main one in the spotlight. All of us have this in our heart. Every single one of us, we struggle with this area of pride. And our kids, the same thing. They want to shine. And um, as parents, we have to help them understand 
You know, we have to help them learn to take their place and not just to be the one shining in the spotlight all their lives. So we want to pull them towards some things. One is service. Another one is goodwill. They don't have to be the king of the hill. <clears throat> the last one, probably the most dangerous one, is this uh, struggle with cruelty. And this, this foolish pattern in Scripture is, is one that's is self-absorbed. We can get very caught up in ourselves and we, we begin to enjoy hurting other people. This is, a, this is a committed way of life. When we have been hurt by many people, and so now we enjoy taking it out on other people. And we have to watch these things. You see these things rising up in our own lives. We have to move in a different direction. But these are patterns that show up. And if you watch TV, you can pick these characters out of most sitcoms. You can see a character in, you know, if you take you know Seinfeld and that series and Friends and that series and most you know comedy sitcoms, you can pick out these different fool patterns and approaches to life. And your kids, they see these things in the media and they see it around and they just they're pulled towards these things in their lives. You watch Disney Channel and you know, your kids are watching Disney Channel. They're they're going to see these patterns of of being lazy and deceitful and reactive and. and this is going to have a tug on them. But beyond these different strategies, there are actually five things that pull us, that, that all of us face in our own growth. And <clears throat> these represent challenges for us as well. So let's look at these. The first one, we've kind of touched on our own desires. We have these good desires, we have bad desires, it's all mixed up inside of us, and our desires just keep pulling and pulling and pulling. And as I said, even if Christ comes into our life, the desires for wrong do not just go away. Titus says we've got to learn. Titus chapter 2 talks about how we've got to learn to say no to ungodliness. We have to, that's, a, that's a habit we learn to say no. Learning to say no to the things that rise up. So the desires that are not right, and they're not healthy, and are destructive. We've got to learn to say no to those things before we act out on those things. Because <clears throat> it's in those choices where our character is forming. And here, here's the rule. What we feed grows. This is true of us as adults. It's true for our kids. Whatever we feed, whatever desires we feed, those desires will grow. If you feed the right desires, they will grow. If you feed the wrong desires, they will grow in power of, of being able to take us and pull us stronger in another direction. James says it this way in James 1.14. says, but each one is tempted. Talks first before these verses talks about how God doesn't tempt us. He's not tempted and He doesn't tempt us. He's not the one behind temptation. But then it says, each one is tempted when by his own evil desire, this is inside of us, he's dragged away, he's pulled, he's enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. You know, and it keeps pulling. Sin, when it's full grown, it gives birth to death. I don't think that's up on the screen, but there's this pull. And it starts with a desire that is inside us. It resides inside of us. The wrong desires. You don't have to look very far, do you, to, to do wrong, because it's in all of us. So we have to keep wrestling with, you know, me. We have to wrestle with ourselves on some different issues. Your child, he may look, or she may look very, very innocent, but even in your child is this desire that could lead them in the wrong direction. So we want to keep this in mind. The second thing that pulls us is, is parenting. Parenting really matters. If you're a parent... The way you interact with your kid is so valuable. The way you live before your kid is so valuable. 
kids tend to adopt the views and the values of their parents. And if you don't watch it, you can get so busy in life to where the relationship begins to break down between you and your children. And they're relating more to their friends. They're relating more to technology and, not, and less and less to you. The relationship's not there. It's very, very hard to pass on the right set of values to your kids. Uh, but you want to, uh, there's some notes there. You want to have a relationship. You want to have, you know, a relationship of kindness and understanding. You know, one gets down on their level. We've been looking at some of this over the past few weeks. Getting on their level and, and in your own way. We're all different. Some of you are a lot more um, kind, just compassionate. And you're just, you, you have this. And some of us are, we struggle with, with a lot of that. And so we have to work a lot harder to, to show kindness, to show understanding. But, Regardless of how we're wired, we can't let our wiring be, be excuses for doing what's right towards our kids. We need to have a relationship, build a relationship, and then, and then keep working on it. Also, our example, whatever you show in your own life grows up in your kids. So if you have a hot temper and you set them an example of hot, being hot-tempered, then you're training some really hot-tempered people. This is something, this is something we have to watch. If you're lazy and you set a lazy example, then what you're doing is you're training lazy people. They're going to grow up and they're going to follow that example that has been set. If you're controlling and manipulative, if that's one of the patterns you, you kind of lean towards, you're reactive, then you're setting an example and you're training, controlling, manipulative people who are going to manipulate others to get what they want. <clears throat> These things will grow up in their lives and then they will haunt them. They will dog them as their adults. And your kids are going to want to shake these things, but they have, they, these things have been imprinted upon them. And they can shake them, but these are things that are going to really, really dog them as adults. If you want to overcome obstacles in, in raising your kids, then you have to constantly, and I have to as a parent, take a thorough look inside at the example I'm setting, the way that I'm interacting with my kids, and ask, am I doing, am I, doing, am I setting the right example? Do I have a relationship when I'm getting, when I mess up, when I blow it in life before my kids, do I clean it up before them? When I, when I blow it, you know, and I lose my temper and I take it out on them unrightfully, do I clear it up with them or do I just sweep it under the carpet? Your, our kids are learning this. They're, they're going to learn the patterns as they watch us do these things. Instruction. If you teach them, you know, if you teach them what's right, that's, that's powerful because no one else is looking to instruct your kids in what's godly um, the reasons and prayer we looked at these things but here's what the scripture says this is kind of a theme verse from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and <clears throat> this is a reminder for all of God's people of you know how do you impress or how do you train up our kids it says this these commandments that I give to you today are to be upon your hearts so the, the, the first thought is if my heart is not wrapped around what's on God's heart then how am I going to impress these things upon? How am I going to train my kids in these ways if my hearts aren't fully wrapped around God's ways? I've got to start there. Then it says in verse 7, impress them on your children. That word impress, in the Hebrew, it's, it's a term that's often used with sharpening an arrow, sharpening a blade or an arrow. So there's, with sharpening, you know there's this constant work on it, right? And so the idea here of impressing things or impressing God's ways on your children it implies that, that you can't just do it once. You know, hey, hey, buddy, um, you know, try to be kind to your, to your little brother and walk away and never, 
You know, I told him that three years ago. I told him, try to be kind to your little brother. Why is he not getting? But instead, what it is is it's it's this idea of you're you're showing kindness, you're talking about kindness, you're helping him understand why kindness is important, and it's this idea of sharpening is it's a constant instruction that needs to go on. Impress them, and how do you do that? How do you repeat these things? He says. You talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. This is a constant thing that goes on. The instruction happens in just the very flow of life. As we relate to our kids, that's how our kids are being trained. We tend to think of Sundays as kind of the spiritual day in our lives, but, um, but Sunday, you know, the rest of our week really overshadows Sunday and the instruction that happens on Sunday. Your home, my home, it's a classroom. That's, that's where kids are absorbing our values. They're learning about who God is. They're actually getting trained more outside of church than they do inside of church because of, this, because of the way that we absorb things. Look at what Proverbs 4.10 says. This verse comes in a set of nine chapters of instructions from father to his son. And if you're a dad, if you're a parent, and you just, you'd like some, something to study... Proverbs 1-9 through is a section that you might just jot down and begin to, to read through and study things you want to, to train your kids in and to help you understand. And in verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 10, he's giving, he kind of takes a posture of his instruction. He says, listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. What he's doing is he's giving his son reasons to do life God's way. He's not just telling them all about do this, do this, do this. He's not just saying the do's and don'ts. But he's telling him, do this because, do this because he's giving reasons. It's important to help as a parent to shape the reasoning. Our culture doesn't want us to consider reasoning. They just want us to do and act on impulses. And so you're going to have to fight that. that you know, you're going to have to work against that with your parenting. The third thing that the pull on your kids is this. It's friends. Friends tug us in their direction. And... This lasts all of our life. This comes up around age five or six for kids. When you read about kids and development, around age five, age six is the time developmentally where kids really begin to care about what their friends think. And they begin to not only care what they think, but they begin to adopt the values of some of their friends. And so, look at what Proverbs 13.20 says, He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. That's a promise from God. That's a promise. Here's another verse. People get tricked on this one over and over and over. Kids get tricked on this. Adults get tricked on this verse. Teens get tricked. It says 1 Corinthians 15.33, do not be misled. That word misled, it's there because it means you can get tricked. If you're not careful, you can be misled here. Bad company corrupts good character. The people that we spend our time with shape what you do. We, if we'll walk with people who are wiser than us or who are trying to do life God's way, that really does shape us and our values. And the opposite is true as well. If we spend most of our time with people who have poor character, and um, that, that over time we're going to begin to um, not only see some of these things grow up in our life, but we'll, we'll experience, this, some of, experience some of the consequences in our own lives from what others have experienced. Proverbs 13.20, that passage, um, the one previously, walk with the wise, literally what that means is be the grazing companion of the wise. 
So it's kind of the picture of you got cattle and cows grazing together, their grazing companion. You know, the cows that you graze with are going to affect your life. He's using terminology that as you're going about life, the people that you do life with, the people that you graze with, now none of us are grazers, literally, but we do life with people. We have to ask ourselves, who, who am I walking alongside? Who is, when I look at my week, who did I spend time with? Are those people wise? Are they helping me grow? Or are they taking me and leading me in the wrong direction? So, as a parent, you'll want to screen their friends. Screen their friends. Pay attention to who they're, who they're getting around. Especially once they're in school, you know, pay attention to who, who they're talking about. Who do they like to hang out with? What, um, you want to pay attention because if we're not careful, um, they begin to run with the wrong group and that, those patterns begin to, to rub off on them. You'll want to enable the helpful ones. What I mean by this is, um, if, if the helpful kids, if the helpful friends live 10 miles away, then pay the extra money to help, the, you know, to help them be around your kids. It will be well worth it because friends will really impact your kids. This is an area that requires a lot of thought. It costs us a lot of money to enable the helpful friends of our kids. It might cost you a lot of time, but it, it's worth it. As a matter of fact, friends will impact you and impact me. I mean, if you hang around the wrong people, they will pull your life in the wrong direction. So be careful in this area. The fourth pull is this, the media. We're all very aware of this. We live in a media-driven society. I love movies, I love TV, but, but I have to be careful. We, we all have to be careful in this area. And our kids um, begin to be shaped by this. Around age 10, studies show that developmentally, the ki- that children, at, by the age of 10, they begin to adopt values from the media. And so that's time you really want to pay attention to what they're watching, what, they're ex- what you're allowing them to be exposed to, especially unmonitored, without any debriefing. Um, and so just, you know, come alongside your kids, say, hey, you know, what do you think of that show? What do you think of that character? What do you think of that friend? What do you think about what, what he did there to his friend? And just coaching them along. But the media defines what's cool and what's valuable what we look up to, what kind of style. All that stuff grows out of the media and our kids are paying attention to it. Um, the media also defines high-status people, which those are the folks that we, we ought to imitate is what we're told. And the media is working to stimulate desires. We talked a little bit about this, but what the media does is the media pulls very hard on the lower side of our nature and just starts tugging us in the wrong direction. Like I said, in our hearts reside good and bad. The media pulls on the bad and it just pulls us towards the wrong things. And so we have to watch. We have to pay attention to what's being stimulated in our lives, in our kids' lives. But the media provide, it provides imprints that mark us. Imprints, especially mentally, are powerful. And that's why they call you know, virtual reality or mediated experiences when we're having a mediated experience, we're believing, we're, we're brought into this um, visual reality and we're experiencing it as if we're actually there, aren't we? There's video games that you can play long enough to where you're, you're, you're right there in the game. You know, they've got the Wii, you know, I have the Wii and, and the video game and, and it, you know, it's, you're, you're, you're fighting this guy on the screen, you're jogging against someone, you're biking against, the, you know, they, they, the idea here is to, to bring you into Well, there's some media 
There's some video games that are very harmful, very violent, very sexually driven. And so our kids, if we're not careful, you know, they're being brought into these experiences and it's as if they're actually encountering some of these things. It's a lot easier to step across the line of, of just you know, working those things out and the scenarios out in our mind and actually doing those things. And over time, our, our, our mind gets imprinted and we get desensitized and we don't realize it and we get numbed down to where, again, making that leap is, 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 a, is a shorter leap than we think. So, again, pay attention. Pay attention to what, how the media is, 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 might be working on your kids. The last pool is this, high-status people, heroes. Especially around the age of 13, ask, begin to ask, who are the heroes? Who do my kids look up to? Who are they paying attention to? Um, the important thing here is to give your kids heroes. To provide heroes for your kids. Not just let the media provide the heroes. Uh, but to, you know, you know as a parent what kind of character you like your kid to have. And so as a parent, just to be perceptive and be thinking ahead, what do I want my kids to get? Well, then those are the kind of heroes that I want to highlight. And some of those people are already in your life. Some of the heroes that I'm trying to use right now are friends of mine. I just I think about who are the people that I see sacrificing for the kingdom. Well, I talk to my kids about that. When I see them making good choices, when I see my friends or mentors making good choices or peers, I, I say, you know what, so and so, you know, he's really he's really doing what's important to God. And I, I say, man, that is so encouraging to me, Gabriel, just watching him. And and I'll talk to to my son about these heroes because they're making their lives about the right thing. If I don't give them the heroes, then the media will. And the media will give them the wrong kinds of heroes. So find people in church. Find friends that you feel, that you, that you think they're, they're, they're doing and living, or they're living in a way that's pleasing to God. And, and just really honor them before your kids. Find people in history. Show them movies. Read them books. Tell them about people who've done noble things they may not even be people who follow Christ, but they've been doing noble things. Promote the right people before your kids. It's extremely important. But what sets belief deeply in a person's life? It's direct experience. When we do things, when our kids directly experience God, that's what really helps them grow. I grew up in a church that 90% of the kids aren't walking with God anymore. The kids that I was in youth group with, the kids that I grew up with, 90% of them... They've walked away from God. and Do they believe in Him? Yeah, I think probably they do. I think if you were to get in touch with them and just poll them, yeah, they believe in God. But, but they've never experienced the reality. Your kids need to understand the reality and the benefits of walking with God. And if we don't encounter that ourselves, and if our kids don't encounter that, then by the time they're adults, or by, by the time they're allowed to check out of church, or check out of a walk with God, they will. They'll take that the 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 quickest, the soonest off-ramp, and they'll be off-running in a different way in life. So what's important is to see our example. First, it's important if, like this quote on the screen, I saw my parents, if your kid's saying, man, I saw my parents do that, and, and, and benefit from it. That, that's, they're experiencing the reality of benefits. That's powerful. You need to tell them, I need to tell my kids the same. When I experience God come through, I need to share that with them. God really came through as we've been praying. He answered that prayer. And then if friends and high status people, if they benefited, again, your kids, if they see that, that's powerful. But most importantly, if they can say, I experienced, I've seen God come through. 
I've seen the reality and I've benefited from it. If they can do that early on in life, your kids can learn how to walk with God and trust Him. If they see God come through, that will accelerate their growth as a follower of Christ as they grow up. You see that chart, I'll just, I'm going to skip past that. But the most important thing is this. Parents and children must experience the reality of Christ. Not just the knowledge of Christ. It's, it's more than just knowing who, who He is. Knowledge is important. But they need to experience the reality of who Jesus Christ is and what a difference He'll make in our lives. Psalm 34.8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. You know, you taste. That's how we know if something is good or bad, isn't it? Smell helps. Like if you've got milk and you're like, mm, you know, I could go either way. You know, you smell it's helpful, but you pour it in some in a glass and you drink it, you'll know if it's good or if it's bad, right? I mean, that's how we really know. We taste for ourselves. We experience the reality of Christ at work in our lives. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You want your kids to see that in your life and in their own. And experience comes through trust and obey. This is how they experience God, is they learn to trust Him first. Or they learn to trust Him and obey Him. Oftentimes before they see Him come through. 2 Corinthians is a principle lays out these principles. We live by faith, not by sight. We don't, as, as followers of Christ, we don't always have to, God doesn't always give us um, an answer immediately. You trust Him first. Then you obey Him. This is the way of life for a Christ follower. He has not given us high beams to see way, way down into the future. He's given us enough sight to see the next step. We move forward in obedience. He reveals the next step. We move forward in obedience. He reveals the next step. We move forward in obedience. But as we trust Him and obey Him, and it's scary to trust Christ with your whole life, but as we do that, that sets a pattern for your kids on how to really experience the benefits of seeing God come through. I love it when I've been praying with my kid about something, or my family about something, and then God answers the prayer, and I say, look at how God came through in this situation. Whether it's health, oftentimes we're praying for health, um, for our own lives, for the lives of other people in our church, or just things that come up and and it, the more I can include my kids in those prayers, the better. Because when they see God coming through, and God sometimes, he, he delays the answer. But when I see Him come through and I can tie it to something I've been praying for, to share that with my kids, I feel like that's, that's golden. You know, there's nothing really like that. So, let, let's, uh, this is a lot of information, again. But the crucial thing is that your, your children see you living your faith out for real. That God isn't just true for you, but he, He's real. He's making a real difference in your life. And um, I, I like to pray for all of you parents again. And, and if you're a parent, I did this a couple weeks ago, I'd like to pray for you. If you, if you don't mind standing, I'd like to pray for you. And, and um, this is a tough, tough challenge. And we have many parents in our congregation here. And um, I just look around, there's a lot of parents. And... Um, all of us that are parenting, we feel this burden and this weight of, of these children and of different ages. And we, we sense the responsibility that God has entrusted to us. It's no one else's job to raise our kids, right? It's, it's our job. And so um, I'd like to just pray for you again in this, in this uh, 
in this season and stage of your life. Father, thank You so much for this group of people. Thank You for just um, the opportunity to come alongside them and to parent together, Lord. Thank You that we're not in this alone, but that we're, um, we are working together as a team to raise our kids in a way that is pleasing to You. Lord, we want to stand before You and recognize that we've done our very best with this, these children that You've entrusted to us. And um, Lord, we love You. We love Your ways. But God, it's so hard. There's all these things that pull on our kids' life. And these things also pull on our lives. And so it's very difficult, Lord, to, to move in the right direction here. And so, Lord, we pray that You'd strengthen us, Lord, each day. I pray today, even as we go home, and as we see some of these things pulling on our kids, their desires, our desires, Lord, that we'd fight the urge to do life our own way, but that we would yield our lives and our ways to You. And we'd allow you to lead us in the way we interact with our kids. Lord, give us the strength and the power to do that through your Holy Spirit who's at work within us. Lord, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. On the back of your, um, your connection card, if you'll take this card out, there's some next steps related to the message here. And um, I'd encourage you to look at one of those. And then also... If you're really looking for a way to experience the reality and the benefits of walking with, with Christ, um, one thing to do is to, to be involved in the lives of other people because it opens up your picture of what God is doing. If you're just seeing what God is doing in your own life, in your own little world, um, it's very hard sometimes to, to really see God come through because we're very limited in our vision. But if we'll, we begin to open up our lives to other people and do life with others along the way, um, we get to see, wow, he's come through for that guy and that lady and that guy. And so I, I'd highly encourage that you check out one of our growth groups. Bruce, you know, mentioned that. And, but on the back in the middle section, it says, sign me up for growth group number. Just encourage you to, you know, to take a step. This might be a scary step for you. But the, at the resource table, there'll be folks back there to answer any questions if you have questions about any of those groups. And um, in just a minute, if you would uh, drop this in the offering when it comes around. Um, our offering goes to, to support all that we do as a church, and so we thank you for the way you give. Um, if you're a guest, we don't want you to feel obligated to give or any pressure to give. This is something that is a responsibility of our of our tenders and our members of this church. And so we thank you for giving, and Cody's going to lead us in a few more songs. And let's continue in worship. <laughs>